So we're going to start, as you can see from the agenda, with a, uh, with a, with a uh, virtual um, overview uh, from my colleague uh, Jürgen Lien, DNB's head shipping equity analyst, on the, on the current state of the shipping markets. Good morning, everyone, um, and I do hope you're looking forward to uh, an interesting day of panels and discussions uh, on the uh, fantastic uh, sector that is shipping. Uh, unfortunately, I could not attend physically this year, but I've been tasked to set the stage with an overview of the shipping markets, um, and that is what I will try to do uh, over the next 15 minutes or so. Uh, so with that, uh, I'll try to share my screen. Um, uh, okay, so to start things off, we, we always get the question, where are we in this uh, shipping cycle? Uh, and uh, I think uh, this, is, this is the typical way that we, that we look, at, uh, look at that question. Uh, you have the different phases of where we typically are and what investors uh, focus on uh, when looking at the sector as well. Uh, you come from a distressed uh, restructuring time after a prolonged downturn uh, where all of a sudden people start to look at the value and NAV remains largely in focus. Uh, thereafter, you get momentum for the story. Uh, it takes hold and build confidence among investors uh, where you see this growth and momentum phase before you really get into the harvesting phase of this cycle uh, where the focus remains largely on cash flow and yields. Um, it's very one-dimensional, but if you want to put uh, the, the sectors, the main sectors that we cover uh, into the context of this type of thinking, uh, I think the, the bottom part of, of this slide uh, illustrates that quite well. Uh, among the sectors, we can say that the dry bulk has been the one to, that has yet to, to re-rate uh, and really gain traction for longevity of, of an upcycle. Um, then on the middle of that, and in this growth momentum phase, uh, we would place tankers, we would place the car carriers, which is PCTC, uh, and we would also place the LPG sector, which is also now starting to approach this cash flow uh, part of the cycle. And we'll step a bit into each of the different subsectors later on. Um, in this harvesting phase where yield is definitely the focus, uh, I think it's fair to say that the LNG shipping companies uh, have, have arrived with uh, generally strong markets. Uh, and then on the other end of the upcycle, on the way down, uh, we have the container sector, which uh, currently the company still has strong balance sheets. But if you look at where earnings are, uh, we're, we're rather headed down than upward. Uh, now, as I said, I think this is a bit uh, one-dimensional when it comes to looking looking at shipping. Uh, it does not say anything about uh, how quickly they can progress upward in this cycle or uh, how long uh, the cycles will last. I think um, if we rather put the sectors in a context of uh, the order book, which is illustrated on the y-axis here, uh, against the anticipated shipping demand growth uh, on the x-axis, uh, we would place the different segments around about where, where we have put them in this chart. Uh, the staple gray line in the middle essentially shows if you, uh, if you assume a uniform distribution of age through the, through the fleets uh, what, uh, and a 25-year age profile uh, before scrapping, uh, what type of ordering and order book would be needed just to maintain today's current capacity uh, in the fleet, all else equal. Uh, so that's sort of the, the equilibrium line you can say. Uh, now, uh, as things are uh, where they are today uh, on these type of growth assumptions and where we believe it's fair to, to place them going forward, uh, you can simply group these uh, uh, sectors into three main categories. Um, 
the uh, the dry bulk and the tanker space uh, is uh, are sectors where you're seeing very strong supply side fundamentals, very low order books in general compared to the historical levels, uh, and something that's fueling the the investment case in those sectors. Not necessarily demand as much, uh, just that at some point demand will catch up uh, and you're going to be caught uh, short uh, with too little supply uh, in these two sectors. And they're the main shipping sectors, uh, which, and we'll get a bit back to that, uh, very interesting backdrop, I think, also for the other sectors, how the yards are filling up and what the yard availability uh, is at the moment. Uh, rather, if you look at some of the sectors which which do have higher uh, order books currently, we have uh, the um, the uh, the LPG sector and the car carrier sector. However, they're far right in this chart, illustrating the potential for considerable growth. Uh, I would place them in uh, in a group uh, where demand is the main driver of the investment thesis. Uh, as long as demand continues to stay strong. Uh, which we believe it will in these sectors, uh, it's still a very good story and the delivery schedule and order book uh, remains very manageable. And then above the staple gray line, you have the two sectors with a very high uh, order book to fleet relative to their expected growth trajectory on demand. Uh, and in that bracket, we would place uh, container shipping uh, and also LNG shipping. Um, so this is this is the easy way to look at where we are in the different sectors, and I believe today we will see uh, or we'll we'll have panels and discussions uh, among the different companies how this uh, how this looks and their take on the outlook for 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 this. Um, the main backdrop to a lot of this relates to the supply story that you have in bulkers and tankers, uh, and it's been aided a lot by a lot of ordering uh, from the container sector and the gas carrier sector, uh, which has then started to fill up the yards, uh, essentially. And now this is the supply backdrop uh, of everything, and it just shows on the, on the left-hand side chart the number of active yards globally in shipping and how they have developed from the peak uh, around about the financial crisis down to today. You're roughly one third of the number of yards remaining, uh, illustrating uh, a dramatic drop in the capacity to churn out a lot of vessels in a short period of time. Uh, if you combine the number of active yards with the chart on the right-hand side, which shows the uh, the forward cover that these yards have, uh, i.e. How, how full are their order books in a historical context, you see that uh, currently it's more or less the highest it's been since the period when you had uh, close to a thousand operating yards globally. Uh, and what does that mean? Well, it means today, if you want to have a supply response to a very tight shipping market, it's going to take a longer time than it has done uh, in the past decade uh, or 15 years almost. Uh, and means that the, the upturn and the cycles are expected to, to, to last for longer before you get that response uh, and simply if you then remember back to, to where we were on the demand uh, or on the order book to fleet ratios in the different sectors, uh, it is interesting to see that the two largest shipping sectors comprising, I'd say, two thirds roughly of all shipping, if you want to put it into, into, one, uh, into one heap, two thirds of all shipping uh, globally uh, and capacity. Uh, is in the dry bulk and tanker sectors. And those are the two sectors that have very attractive order book to fleet ratios currently. Uh, and just the sheer number of vessels and, that need to be ordered uh, to flip that around, I think could definitely challenge today's yard capacity uh, and is one of the reasons why uh, we see uh, inflationary pressure um, in shipping starting to materialize 
something that has not been a factor for the past decades in shipping, where both costs and capex and rates for that matter have been flat. Uh, looking ahead, there's a, several arguments as to why you should see consistent upward pressure uh, on all of these parts of shipping, uh, which make a very interesting story uh, when we look forward. Uh, so that as a main backdrop, I think I'd, I'd quickly dive into each of the, the sub-segments, um, first looking on the valuation side and how things are before looking at some of the drivers. Now this, uh, this slide, it just shows the, um, the current value of second-hand assets. Uh, this is the left-hand side chart uh, in the, the light green bars. Um, their relative valuation compared to the historical levels from before. Um, at the same time, in the same chart, the, the green dot, it shows how the time charter market for a one-year time charter today compares to the historical average in all of these main commodity shipping segments. Uh, and if you look at the sectors, uh, I'd say you know most of the sectors are doing uh, or are pricing pretty high. If you look at the gas shipping in the LNGC and VLGCs, uh, they are today 24 to 32 percent above the historical uh, pricing. Uh, but at the same time, you see the rates, uh, which are 120 percent above on the the LNG side, while on the LPG side, they are an astonishing 200% above where they have been historically. So earnings are definitely backing up the case that uh, the asset values should be higher than they have been historically. Um, the same can be said partly for tankers. You do have the current one-year time charters are about 20% above where they have been historically. And at the same time, you have a similar 20% premium on the assets compared to where you've been before. And again, if you put that into context of the low order book in this sector, uh, it seems like quite a compelling story with a lot of support. Uh, similarly, or, or, or lastly, I mean, uh, you have dry bulk. That is the one sector that has not really re-rated. It's also weighed down by the time charter rates being, being muted, 50% of the historical average in the current level. Uh, but at the same time, the, the asset values are also below the historical average. Uh, so that's one sector, uh, which you saw on the very first chart that we would place then more in the value bracket rather than in the momentum bracket. Uh, again, when you then look uh, from the physical assets and the physical shipping markets to the equity markets on the right-hand side chart, you see how the equities are pricing the enterprise value versus gross asset value uh, across the peer groups in these sectors. Uh, again, there, is, uh, there has been a period now of risk off all over, I feel, that has led to, uh, to uh, all sectors being below uh, on EV uh, to gross asset value. Uh, but the margins are pretty slim uh, when you look at most of the sectors. Uh, in uh, in uh, tankers, it's around 10%, and in bulk, it's the largest. Uh, it's now at uh, a decent uh, 16%. And if you then compare these numbers again to the chart on the left-hand side, you get a very compelling case for dry bulk on value, where you're seeing two layers of discount presently. Uh, while if you look at the other sectors, uh, you're pricing in quite high values in a historical context, which means means that there needs to be an anticipation of this cycle lasting for a sustained period of time. Uh, and that's really the focal point uh, rather than, than the deep value case that you can still argue uh, could be the case in, in dry bulk whenever the trigger comes and, and that market really starts running. So if you want to see where we are on the dry bulk space, uh, we, um, we were um, 
previously very bullish on this going into the year uh, with a strong expectation that China would pick up the slack and, and things would look rather good. However, um, that or that has actually happened this year. Year-to-date numbers in China show immense import demand, uh, which has been very bullish on the, on the dry bulk space. However, uh, that recovery has been offset by the rest of the world, which has been astonishingly weak. Now, when you look at dry bulk demand, it's roughly 50% China, uh, and that's why people focus on this. While on the other hand, uh, rest of the world just uh, tends to grow steadily at a slow pace, but this has not been the case this time around. So uh, the end uh, result of the, these things uh, playing out this year has led us to being roughly 4% below where we thought we would be on demand entering 2024. And then when you start to account for the headline macro data coming out of China, which indicate the slow pace of economic growth and recovery uh, underlying, uh, we question you know, whether, whether uh, there could be even some downside risk to the current import levels into China. Uh, although the, the case remains the same here as in tankers that you have a very limited order book over time, it's just a question how quickly will you see demand tick upward uh, to uh, make that market balance tight again. And as you can see on the right-hand side, uh, the, the latest update we did, it led to a revision downward on our utilization estimate for dry bulk, uh, which has put uh, taken down our, our freight rate estimates as well. And as we now believe in a slower pace of growth in China, which is the main drive engine and has been for a long time uh, for demand in dry bulk, it's going to take a longer time before this really gets up. However, if you if you look, we also have a sensitivity analysis. If you look at the potential for Chinese growth by adding one percentage points in GDP growth in our forecast period, you very quickly add 40% upside potential to our rates in 25, which shows the sensitivity to Chinese activity in this sector, uh, which could be a trigger that comes prematurely to our estimates, uh, driving this market up. So in the meantime, you know, on the equity side, uh, valuations definitely screen that there's a bullish risk reward here but it's uh, as for the time being uh, in our view at least still a waiting game now if we want to look at tankers which is the other large sector uh, we have a supply side that remains very 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 positive uh, especially on the vlcc side where there's been limited ordering there's been more ordering in the mid-size segment and, and in the product tanker segment uh, but uh, but overall the order books are low and highly manageable and the big question here has been, when does demand really come back? If you look at the right-hand side chart uh, on this slide, it shows what the volumes have been in terms of seaborne crude oil exports. They have tapered off following the OPEC cuts this summer. Uh, the OPEC cuts have been extended uh, and the voluntary cuts from Saudi Arabia as well, uh, which are the uh, which are causing inventories to be drawn. Uh, and at some point, that means there's going to be a relief with higher volumes being exported and all of a sudden a catch up in demand in which there will be hardly any response on the supply side, uh, which again makes a very compelling story longer term uh, as that starts to materialize. So what we're waiting for in the near term uh, is more volumes being added, taking up demand from here. Uh, and in the long term, it's a very comfortable picture of very limited demand and higher yard prices, which all in all should pressure up uh, the, the willingness to pay for freight also over time, making a very attractive investment case. 
Now, if we turn from dry bulk and tankers to, to gas, uh, very quickly on LNG, there is a large order book. There you have 50% plus uh, of the order book, which is on order, uh, set for delivery in the coming years. Uh, as things look now, the orders, they will hit the water prior to demand uh, materializing, which means it should be pressure on this space fundamentally. Um, now, Keeping in mind that uh, that this sector has roughly 30% of the fleet, which is the highlighted on the right-hand side, which is the previous generation type vessel and highly inefficient on an economic basis compared to the most modern assets. Uh, these 30% roughly are clearly scrapping candidates and can potentially be priced out of the market, which would then offset the material part of the 50% order book. Uh, however, it's important to, to bear in mind that uh, the, the time when these vessels are priced out on an economic basis would be when the gas prices are high, i.e. The, the fuel costs for these vessels that use the boiler from the tanks to propel the vessels uh, are unreasonably high on a relative basis to the more modern assets with a lower boil-off rate. Um, and if then LNG prices were to decline in the coming years, and if you look at the forward curve, that also seems to, be, seems to be the way things are headed as volumes then will be added to the market and hence drive up demand for shipping that will also add to more supply of LNG to global markets, which should uh, alleviate some of the cost uh, or the price pressures that we have seen in the recent years following the invasion of Ukraine and the cutoff of gas into Europe. Uh, but uh, uh, so if that were to happen, that the oil, uh, that the gas prices did come down, that would essentially reactivate part of the fleet uh, and uh, and uh, hence uh, offset part of that potential scrapping, um, in our opinion, at least, uh, which poses somewhat of a risk longer term to this space, although we are bullish into the winter on the prospects for another strong year also in 24 when it comes to gas prices and hence arbitrage trading and therefore a high willingness to pay for freight. Um, but uh, but uh, there is a heavy delivery schedule ahead and that's something to be wary of. Uh, similarly, on the LPG space, it's been a very interesting story. Uh, on the right-hand side chart, you see the delivery schedule for this year, which uh, kept, I think, investors away for a long time, uh, being skeptical to how this market would play out. Um, but then again, if you look to the left-hand side chart, you see where the rates have been, and they have been incredibly strong, and uh, they still are. Uh, and if you look at the current forward markets, that, that's even more encouraging, given that you essentially can lock in dramatic earnings in the next two years in this sector, uh, which would de-risk a lot of the value in both the equities and the underlying assets. So a simple, uh, simple Excel uh, calculation would show that the, the 24 and 25 FFAs in connection and also including the Q4 FFAs, uh, they could essentially lock in 50% of the value of a five-year-old VLGC today, uh, which is currently priced at 85 and a high level historically. Uh, but when you look at this type of cash flow uh, that can compound in these names and on these assets, uh, it makes uh, clear sense that value should be this high, if not even higher, and are thus supportive as long as this earnings momentum continues um, uh, to be as, as solid as it has been. Then if you look further ahead, it's interesting to see that the order book in the LPG space has been very limited uh, when you consider 24 to 26. So although there still remains a considerable amount of the, the 23 order book, and some orders early in 24 that will pressure the market when it comes to supply additions. Uh, the longer term prospects looks good. And it's a fantastic shipping story overall where you know that the marginal production happens on the opposite side of the globe to where demand is, i.e. that's production and exports out of the US. 
uh, and demand growth in, in Asia, which has accounted for more than 90% growth in recent years. So it's a, an interesting shipping story, and especially when you know the Panama Canal is full. Ton miles are bullish uh, in this sector and should keep, uh, keep the fundamentals strong uh, also in the years ahead. Then um, to wrap up with the last one uh, on containers, uh, gets a lot of focus. Uh, you've seen this normalization, as you can call it, of rates coming back down to close to 2019 levels, if not even below. Those are gross rates, though, and the overall cost burden of the companies that are included in that, those rates are higher than they were back then. So that would leave less for the companies now than it did on a like-for-like -like basis. Uh, our outlook here is simply, um, uh, it's a simple math that you have a huge order book with a strong delivery schedule or a very high delivery schedule, as you can see on the right-hand side chart, uh, which is materializing in the coming years. Uh, I would argue it has yet to materialize and you've already normalized the market and there's even more inefficiencies that were the cause of the strong markets in the present in the recent years as well. You still have more of these inefficiencies to actually unwind. Uh, so there's a lot of effective supply coming to this market against the backdrop of very muted growth. Now, these are our growth estimates out to 25. Uh, but considering that we had a positive growth estimate for 23 and the year-to-date volumes are down 4% rather than up, uh, I would say the latest data definitely poses downside risk to our estimates. Uh, and on a comparative basis, it becomes pretty clear that there's simply just not enough demand in this sector uh, to manage such a steep uh, delivery delivery schedule. And that should weigh on this sector for a long time, uh, in our opinion, uh, and then make you know, the coming years terribly painful uh, for a lot of these companies. Um, so I think I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up there. And um, I hope uh, I've given some context for some of the discussions that will happen later on. Um, I thank you. Thank you all for your attention uh, and I wish you all a great conference.